Good morning. Okay, this is really fun because I've actually never done a seminar in here before. Uh, and usually I'm like screaming the entire time because I don't have a microphone. So this is going to be um, much easier for me, which will be so fun. How are you guys? Amazing. I got to meet a lot of you guys up at Joshua yesterday for the tour, which was really fun. Um, my name is Madison, and I am one of the resident directors up at the Joshua Wilderness Institute, which is Hume Lake's gap year program. So that means I spend a lot of my time working with 18 to 24-year-old students. So it's really fun when I get to come down and hang out with you guys in Ponderosa. Um, this morning, I'm going to share a little bit about my personal walk with um, things like anxiety and um, maybe some things that you guys uh, here in the room have struggled with as well and hopefully provide you guys some encouragement of how the Lord has, um, yeah, walked me through those things. So I just want to begin our time by praying over you guys, praying over this morning, and then we will jump in. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for every single student here before me today. Lord, you have brought each and every one of them here. God, you know everything that they're walking into this week with, and you know everything that they will go back home to. And so, Lord, I just pray over this conversation about anxiety and um, emotional suffering, Lord. I thank you that you are a God uh, that we can come to with these things. I thank you that we can talk about these things as a community, Lord, and that you are a God of healing, uh, that you are our Prince of Peace, Lord, and I thank you for that. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak through me this morning, that it would be your words and not my own, um, and that you would just encourage us with the hope that you bring, Lord. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so a little bit about me is that I actually grew up on the East Coast. I grew up in Georgia. I always like to ask, is there anyone here that has ever lived on the East Coast? Oh, okay, sweet. Amazing. Yeah, usually, like, there's not many people. Um, but, yeah, I grew up in Georgia, and so I actually never had been to California until a couple years ago uh, when I came and started working at Hume. I had been offered a summer job out here, and I um, didn't intend to end up staying as a full-time employee, but I was originally offered, like, a four-month position, and it was during a time of my life that I was really struggling. Like, college had just ended for me, and so I was kind of saying goodbye to some of my closest friends. A lot of my relationships were coming what to what felt like an end. Um, I had ended a significant dating relationship in my life. Um, I was really, really struggling to get over that. That was causing me a lot of pain. Uh, and then on top of all of those things, I was really struggling mentally um, with some anxiety tendencies. I've struggled since I was pretty young um, with OCD uh, tendencies. I don't know if any of you guys are familiar with just that struggle of uh, just, yeah, crazy thoughts and anxious struggles with those things. And I was kind of at the height of that. And um, it was during this time that I was offered a job out here uh, in California. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this will be a great opportunity for me to kind of get away. I was hoping that this would be an experience that would help me kind of move forward from those things that I was wrestling with. Because I think that's what we often do, right? Like we seek out these emotional highs, these mountaintop experiences uh, to help us heal. Maybe that's like an emotional high during worship or uh, a conversation that we think is just going to change everything for us or an adventure that will turn us into another person. We kind of do that, right? We seek out these mountaintop experiences. And what I wanted to talk to you guys about this morning is that it's often not the mountaintop experiences that bring us long-term healing or closeness to God. Um, 
And I want to uh, share a little bit more about that later, but I want to tell you guys, when I uh, came out here to Hume, it was so different than what I hoped for um, or expected. In fact, uh, things actually got worse for me when I came out here. Um, I had always said, because I struggle with anxiety, like, I could never live alone. Like, living in a house all by myself is too hard for me. Living on the opposite side of the country from my family is really scary. Um, but I literally got here, and I, they put me in this house all by myself, and there was a mountain lion screaming outside my window the first week. And so... I wasn't necessarily like, feeling a lot of peace when I got out here and was struggling to make friends because we were at the tail end of COVID. And um, yeah, that created some isolation. So I was really struggling and I didn't find this mountaintop experience that I was hopeful for. I found myself in a pretty low place actually. Um, but when I got on the plane and came over from Georgia to California, I had started reading a book. It was by a pastor uh, from a church near where I grew up uh, named Louis Giglio. And he wrote this book um, called Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. And um, he basically unpacks a passage of scripture that we're probably all very familiar with. And I want to talk about this passage today and the, uh, the, um, the, what, the, what we can glean and what we can take from this passage in our own life. So I just want to read it to you guys first. Um, and then we'll talk about what this pastor has to say. Uh, so if you're following along in your Bibles, it's Psalm 23. This is written by King David. Um, he was king of Israel, appointed by God. And um, I want to read you guys what he has to say. He says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So this passage has a lot of quotable lines in it, right? Like a lot of lines that we've heard. Maybe if you go into Hobby Lobby with your mom and you walk down the aisle that has all the live, laugh, love signs, like you'll see, the Lord is my shepherd, or like my cup runneth over. Like we quote this passage a lot in the church. Um, but there's a verse in here that I think maybe we don't talk about as often. Maybe it's a little bit harder to understand, a little bit more difficult to come to terms with. But I really love how King David says, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. And what does this mean? So I want to go back to this uh, book that I told you guys about. Um, and Louis Giglio kind of unpacks this verse and explains it to us. So I want to read it to you guys to kind of set us up for the rest of our conversation. Um, this is what he says. God has prepared a table right in the middle of the battle. That table is laden with the richest affair, and it's all good for us to eat. Yet, that table is set right in the midst of the chemo ward. God has set out the silverware and invited us to come and dine with him. Yet, that table is right in the middle of our family being pulled apart. The table is right in the middle of job stress, relational tension. It's directly at the center of the hardships and arguments, the misunderstandings and persecutions, the depression and the death. Whatever we are battling, internally or externally, the table is right there in the middle of the trouble, at the epicenter of conflict. Can you picture that table right now? Sometimes the Bible uses the term table as a figurative expression for God's salvation, peace, and presence. So every Jewish listener of the time would immediately know the significance of being invited to sit at someone's table, especially the table of the Lord. 
So what he's saying here is this verse is a metaphor for how God invites us to come and sit with him and be with him in the presence of difficult things. And I love how this this verse just says, like, yeah, God not only invites us to be with him, but he actually blesses us in the middle of these hard things. And so what I really didn't want to do this morning was give you guys a message about how one day you'll understand why something bad happened. Or one day you'll understand why you walk through a season of anxiety. Because the reality is sometimes we don't always understand. And I think we can miss the point if we focus on the why, why something bad happened. Um, and it, it also can feel really insensitive when we're struggling and someone comes up to us and says, oh, well, I'm sure this is for a reason. One day you'll understand why, right? Like that can make you feel like what I'm dealing with right now in this moment doesn't matter then. But what's so cool is that King David, the guy who wrote this passage and who actually wrote a significant portion of the book of Psalms, David knew that his feelings mattered to God. Because when you guys are struggling with something that feels maybe embarrassing or vulnerable, We're not going to go to someone that makes us feel stupid, right? We're not going to go to someone who's going to dismiss us or kind of laugh at us when we're struggling, right? We go to someone who's going to listen, someone who's going to care, uh, someone who's going to be patient with us. And so considering this, it's so cool to me that David, with his most vulnerable emotions, David went to God. And we can see such a huge portion of the book of Psalms is just David pouring out his heart to the Lord so honestly of like, Lord, I'm struggling with this, po- with this thing that I'm dealing with. Um, David felt comfortable going to God with his emotions. And therefore, we know that we can be comfortable as well. God is a safe place for us to go with our deepest, most vulnerable struggles. And I want to just tell you guys as a side note, like the next few years of your lives are going to be emotional and crazy. Like you guys are in high school. Some of you guys are about to finish high school. You are going to maybe go off to college and that's going to be a really big transition. You're going to experience a lot of change these next few years. Maybe you'll be in a relationship with someone that will really hurt you. I don't know. But I encourage you guys through the ups and downs of these next few years of your life to pour out your heart honestly to the Lord. I just want to read you guys one more passage that King David wrote. Um, And I also want to tell you, like, the Bible describes King David as a man after God's own heart. So scripture speaks highly of him. Um, David walked very closely with the Lord, and this is how he prays. So I want to read this to you guys. It's Psalm 13, uh, just a few pages away from the last passage that we read. But I want to read to you guys uh, how he prays. He says, How long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say, I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. How relatable is that passage? How many of you guys here today feel like you have at some point wrestled with your thoughts? Probably a lot of us, yeah? Like David understands this inner turmoil that we experience and he acknowledges that pain, yet he also recognizes that there is hope, right? He says, Lord, it feels like you're hiding from me, but he also says, I trust in your unfailing love. I will sing the Lord's praise. You've been good to me, right? He recognizes the hope. Because, guys, God can change our circumstances. He often does because he's a really good God. And I think sometimes we mope around and we whine and complain about things that aren't going our way. And we haven't even gone to God and asked him boldly for this thing that we want, right? We can go to God boldly with our requests. Jesus tells his disciples, like, ask 
you know, he wants us to come to us, or he wants us to come to him. He's our father. But at the same time, sometimes he says no. Maybe sometimes he says wait. Maybe sometimes it feels like, like what David was experiencing. He's kind of hiding from us. We can feel that way sometimes. But we can see from this passage and from the writings of King David that there is still good and there are still blessings to be received in the midst of hard things. David says, you set a table for me in the presence of my enemies. He doesn't say, God, you take my enemies away from me, and then I receive the blessing. No, he says, God, you prepare a table for me right in the middle of that hard thing. And this is a really significant thing for David to say, guys, because when we look at Scripture, we understand the significance of who David's enemies were. Uh, If we look at 1 Samuel 24, we can see the story of how David was being chased, actually, by his best friend's dad, uh, a guy named Saul, who was out to murder him. This guy wanted David's blood. Um, And a couple months ago, actually, I was in Israel with the Joshua Wilderness Institute, and we went out to the Judean Desert. And when we went out here, um, it's completely desolate. Like, imagine, like, Death Valley or a place like that where there's just nothing. It's just dry. Sand, rocks, cliffs. And we came out to this valley. It was called Ian Gedi. Um, if you look up on the cliff side, you can see these little caves um, in the side of the cliff. And uh, this is the place where David hid from King Saul. Scripture tells us that he went to Ian Gedi, and he was hiding here in a cave. Literally the middle of the desolate wilderness. This is the kind of enemy, this is the kind of emotional turmoil that David would have been experiencing. And yet he still says, God, I lack nothing. My cup runs over. God, you set a table for me in the presence of my enemies. In other words, you sit with me and provide for me even when I'm surrounded by this problem. And so my encouragement for you guys today is that we ought to view suffering as an opportunity to know God more deeply. Because when, when I first came to Hume, I felt like God was telling me no to experiencing healing from this relationship that I had been in, to experiencing, to, I felt like he was saying no to experiencing friendship um, and community, freedom from anxiety, like my anxiety just got worse, honestly. But it was truly because I walked through that season of deep loneliness, that season of struggle with my anxiety, that I was actually able to experience a lot of freedom from those things. Because... It's often the things that bring us to our knees and not the mountaintop experiences that draw us nearer to God. And in that healing, the Lord has really blessed my story. Um, He's changed a lot of my circumstances. Obviously, I'm still here. He's given me an incredible community. And I actually have been able to overcome a lot of these anxiety tendencies that I struggled with in high school and growing up. I've, I've learned ways to deal with it and to overcome it. Um, but there will always be things I know in my life that are challenging. And like the, something that the Lord is like teaching me right now is that um, even through things that, that are painful, like right now I've watched a lot of my friends get married and I'm in my mid-20s and that's, I've actually just experienced a lot of pain in relationships. And I feel like I've watched it work out for a lot of other people. But the Lord is teaching me that like my life right now can testify that I can still have an abundant life in the midst of circumstances that I didn't want, circumstances that I pray against. I can still experience an abundant life. And I still struggle sometimes with these anxiety and and sometimes getting up to speak, guys, still triggers stuff. But, like, it's a gift to get to do this and a gift to depend on the Lord in it. Um, 
Because the thing that something that I love about living out here in the mountains, like if you walk outside this building and you see, um, we we live out in a really wild place up here at Hume. Like there's, I mentioned the mountain lion screaming outside my window. Like there's bears and there's waterfalls. And this past winter, like we got six feet of snow and we were trapped on this uh, mountain. We couldn't go anywhere because the roads were washing out. And um, I remember having this panicky feeling of like, oh my gosh, like how did an ambulance get here if we needed it? And um, something I had to learn was I am truly no safer down the street from a hospital or with a therapist or with my family. You know, whatever it is that makes me feel safe, I'm no safer there than I am out here in the wilderness, right? Because God is the same in those places that he is, than he is here. And in the same way, suffering is an opportunity for us to rely on God in ways that we wouldn't have to. We, we felt like life was entirely under our own control, and guys, emotional struggles that we face often do not feel like opportunities, but I've talked with a lot of students who struggle with things like OCD and panic attacks, and um, I always say like people like us who struggle with this have an opportunity to trust God in a super unique way because of our constant desire for control, right? Because you guys live in a world that tells you that you deserve easy, that if you're struggling mentally with something, just don't go. If that person is challenging, just cancel them right? The world tells you you deserve easy. And sometimes we do need to listen to our bodies and our minds. There's a lot of things I think we could be doing to care for our mental health, so to speak. Like we can be exercising, we can stay off of our phones. Like there's a lot of practical things we can do. But I just also want to remind you guys that sometimes these difficulties, when they don't go away, there's still opportunities for us to know and trust God more deeply. And like I said earlier, it's often the valleys, the struggles that truly bring us into closeness with the Lord that ultimately brings healing. And I'm really passionate about this because doing hard things is actually the thing that has brought me so much freedom from anxiety, like actually pushing through it. Because anxiety tells you guys a lie, and I want you guys to understand this. Anxiety will tell you the lie that this is urgent. That if this feeling doesn't go away right now, like I have to respond immediately. I have to run away if I feel like I have a panic attack. Like if this feeling doesn't go away, then I can't go on living. That's a lie. That's a lie that your anxiety tells you. It's not true. Because the Lord actually invites you to sit with him. The Lord is patient with us. He invites us to sit with him through the struggle. And I want to read you guys a passage from another um, guy from the Bible who wrote a significant part of the New Testament, the Apostle Paul. And this guy had a pretty rough life as well. Paul was actually imprisoned uh, at different points of his life, and he struggled with what he refers to as his thorn in the flesh. We don't exactly know what this thing was. He doesn't specify in the Bible. We don't know if it was some sort of physical disability or if it was a mental struggle, but it was something that wasn't going away. And I want to read you guys what he has to say. It's says 2 Corinthians 12, starting with verse 7. He says, In order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Right? That's not what the world tells us. Because, guys, struggles allow us to remain dependent on the Lord to provide for us. His power is actually made perfect in these moments of our weakness because it allows us to go to him in weakness and say, Lord, I need you. I want to know you. 
And my prayer for you guys is that if you're struggling through a certain season right now, that this would be a time where you could come to know God more deeply through your circumstances. And as personally as I've walked along this road, I've had to kind of become more aware of the things that I do to cope with these things that keep me from trusting God. So, um, and I mentioned that a lot of these things come back to a need for control. So I want to give you guys a few examples of maybe some things that can cause anxiety and how maybe in our anxiety, in our need for control, how we choose to respond to them. So um, one might be a need to control our safety. So I mentioned like when I lived alone, I really struggled with like checking my door tons and tons and tons of times before I could go to bed. And there's like ways that we can be smart about being safe, you know, check your door once to make sure it's locked, but checking it hundreds of times before bed is is letting your anxiety control you in that moment. And so um, I had to learn to say, okay, Lord, I'll check it once and I trust you with my safety. Protect me against the mountain lions tonight and go to my bed, right? And that was hard for me. That was uncomfortable to let go and go to my bed in that moment. Um, another thing that we might do is uh, relationships can cause a lot of anxiety, right? I think that's a huge one. Um, say that someone has broken up with you. Maybe that person did you wrong. How do you respond? Do you um, give that person the cold shoulder and completely ignore them when you see them to try to manipulate a response that you want? I'm sure nobody has ever done this but sent obsessive text messages over and over and over again because you can't handle not knowing what that person thinks, Right? That's a way that we try to control that other person and saying, Lord, I trust you with my relationships. If this person does not want me, I trust that you will bring the right person later down the road. Help me honor and respect this person despite what they've done, right? Another thing we might do is um, feel like we have to control the way people perceive us. Uh, social anxiety is a really real thing. What do people think about me? And so we spend hours editing photos of ourselves for Instagram or scrolling through to make sure that one person saw our story. We spend a lot of time trying to control what people think about us. Instead of just saying, Lord, give me the humility to accept that some people might not like me and that is okay. Give me the humility to accept that. Right? We do a lot of these things that go back to control, wanting to make people like us, wanting to feel safe, wanting to control our relationships. And I have talked with a lot of students who say to me, like, I want to learn to depend on God, but then they continue to take the easy way out and control things themselves in ways that actually lead to destruction in their own lives. Because guys, trusting God sometimes means intentionally doing the hard thing. It means leaving your room in the morning, even if you feel like you might have a panic attack. It means choosing to let things go instead of sending those obsessive text messages because, guys, trusting God will always point us back to the fruits of the Spirit or to the attributes of love, right? Like, if I am trusting God with a relationship, that's going to require me to be patient. It's going to require me to not be self-seeking. If I'm trusting God with what people think about me, it's going to require humility. Trusting God points us back to the way that he wants us to live. And that's going to be hard, right? But trusting God also means sitting with hope through an uncomfortable mental season instead of giving up. Because, guys, we live in a world where we're guaranteed to suffer. Jesus told his disciples that when he, before he left the earth. He said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. So we know that it's going to happen. We know that we're not going to live a wrinkle-free life. But uh, in light of that, we have a choice that we have to make. If we know that we're going to suffer, we get to choose, will we allow our suffering to turn us away from God? Will we grow bitter? Will we walk away from him? Or... Will we choose to sit at the table with him? 
we choose to know God more deeply through our suffering. And I would encourage you guys this week, if you're struggling with something right now, I would just encourage you to find a, a leader from your church, um, maybe someone here from Ponderosa, um, and talk to that person and say, what do you think it looks like for me to trust God with these specific circumstances in my life? Because I can't speak into everything that you guys might be experiencing in this room. Some of you uh, might need to find someone to talk to and get some help. Some of you guys might need someone to push you to do some hard things right now. Um, but you can't do this alone. You need people to walk alongside you in it. And the Lord is walking alongside you in it as well. And you can go to him just like David did in his most vulnerable prayers to God. We can pray that way as well. Um, and also just wanted to say that your thoughts and these struggles, they do not define you. Things like OCD, ADHD, that is not who you are. We, these things that we struggle with are the results of sin. There's a result of a broken body that we live in, right? And we're always going to wrestle with these things. And that doesn't make you any less of a Christian if you struggle with these things. It's the result of a broken body. But scripture tells us that if we know Jesus, we've been crucified with Christ. The old is gone. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And so, guys, these things are not who you are. They're something that you struggle with. But the Lord is walking alongside you in it. He offers you hope. He offers to come and be with you in the midst of these hard things. I just encourage you to walk boldly in that, to find someone to talk to maybe this week, um, and maybe take advantage of this time that you guys have up here in the mountains, in the wilderness, um, and spend some time with the Lord. Pour out your heart to him and be honest, maybe in ways that you never have been before, um, because we serve a God that we can talk to about these things. Um, I'm going to pray for you guys, and then you're going to... Um, you're going to hang out here for another like five minutes-ish um, because they don't want to send you off to your next seminar until they are ready to have you. Um, but at 10.05, when you guys see that on the clock, you guys can head over. Um, but yeah, I'm just going to pray for you guys um, for conversations for this week um, and as you go forward from this place. So Heavenly Father, I just thank you again for each and every one of these campers. Lord, thank you for their stories. God, thank you for uh, just bringing them here to camp to hear truth. Uh, Lord, I pray for healing, for any anxiety or mental struggle that might be present in this room today, Lord. I pray boldly for healing, but God, I also know um, that sometimes we don't understand. And Lord, I thank you that you are a God um, that we can come to even when we don't understand. God, thank you for your power that is on display in the mountains. Thank you for being a God that is so big that you created the wilderness and the lake and the trees and the mountains. But God, you are also a God who draws near. And I just praise you for that. Um, I pray for conversations with these students and with their leaders and with each other this week. Uh, that you would bless those conversations and just give these students time with you, Lord. Um, thank you so much for who you are um, and for your power that is on display in this place. We love you so much, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen.